Good morning, and welcome to Highlight Church. Thank you all. Hey, let's put our hands together for Highlight Worship, the worship team. Thank you guys for leading us today. We love you all. And um, I just want to, I really want to just stop and take a moment to, um, I don't know, celebrate you all for for being here. Um, I know it's chilly outside, it's rainy, and it's cloudy, and um, it's not the best weather, but uh, you made it a point to prioritize the presence of God this morning. So give yourselves a hand clap for being in church this morning. Come on, passion, passion. There it is. And um, it really is a supernatural thing to, to be in church when we understand church history. Um, and that uh, when, when Christ um, rose from the grave on the third day, he, he ascended into heaven after spending about a month and a half amongst his disciples. And uh, when he went to heaven, he left the Holy Spirit. He sent the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. When you receive Jesus, you receive God in your heart, the Holy Spirit. And um, that was the birth of the church. So really, church is not a, it shouldn't be a transactional thing. It, It truly is a supernatural thing when we come together I have God's spirit, you have God's spirit, you have God's spirit, you have God's spirit. And, and if may, maybe we don't know that, maybe we don't understand that, but if we understood the implications of the fact that uh, all believers have the spirit of God, and when we get together, it's a powerful thing. And when you get past your flesh and, and past your worries and past your doubts and past all the stresses, woo, the miracles that can take place, the power that can be imparted. So... It is a great thing to be in church on a Sunday morning at 9.30. Put your hands together again. It's a miracle you're here. And I'm excited about this new season that we are in. So thank you all for being here. You know, every year we enter a season of generosity, a season of generosity. And uh, we put some vision in there as well where the church is going. But uh, every year we enter a season of generosity, the latter part of November, top of December. Um, So many would call this a new series. I call it a new season. And um, for the past two years, we've capped off our seasons or our series of generosity with an act of faith, with an act of faith. And what we typically do uh, about a week or so before Christmas, we bring an offering to the Lord. We bring an offering. Offering is above and beyond your normal tithe or giving. I'll be teaching the tithe a little bit here this morning, but it's above and beyond your normal giving. And it truly is an act of faith. I, I, I love, I love uh, giving series or seasons. Um, people squirm up a little bit in their seats. Man, I never, and this is highlight, so anything I say, it, it just is what it is, right? So I've never seen so many tight butts when I preach about giving. <laughs> I know I'm doing good when my wife laughs because she's normally at home like, babe, you shouldn't have said that. You know, people are sensitive. They're grown, but they're sensitive. But I ain't never seen so many tight butt cheeks just, oh, my God, he's talking about, oh, Jesus, giving. I'm like, do you need to? I'm sorry. All right, so don't get tight. Just chill. You're good. Oh, I invited a friend today, Pastor, and you're going to talk about giving. Yeah, we're going there. We're talking about giving. I've always said there are two things that won't be, be taboo at Highlight, and that's money and sex. Don't get tight when I talk about sex. Is that good? 
That's good, because I'd rather teach about sex from what God says than allow the world to teach you about it. And so um, we can put our hands together for that. That was good. That a preach. That a preach. And so, um, yeah, you know, the, the offering is a time to, to thank God, and it's a time to thank God for what he's done in our church. I, I do think this. I think what you're not grateful for, eventually it departs your life. And sometimes we call ourselves leaving a thing when it actually left us um, because we didn't we, we were no longer grateful for it. We started to have our own opinions about it and our own doubts and stuff. And let me just tell you, there's no perfect church. Yeah. If you're looking for one, please let me know. Yeah. We'll shut this one down and we'll go. Oh, hey, everyone, let's go to that church. Okay. Um, I heard one of my favorite pastors, Stephen Furtick. He's also been somewhat of a somewhat of a mentor in my life. He's. He's raised up pastors who have mentored me, um, Elevation Church down there in North Carolina. And he said, man, I promise you, you come to Elevation, I'll give you 15 seconds. You'll find something that you don't like about it. And so, um, man, it's a, it's a great season to thank God for what he's doing in your church. And uh, also, uh, when you bring your offering in a few weeks as we prepare our hearts, uh, it's a great time to, to look forward into the new year. And say, God, this is what we're believing for. And so I'm excited about it. And uh, every year, uh, our offering increases as a family. And it's always a bit bit spooky, you know, but um, we we always make it through. So in 2007, we should pull up a a graph here for you. In 2017, the genius of uh, the gift of generosity offering uh, as a church, uh, we brought in 13,000. $65.88. $65.88. And this is, we can celebrate that. That's good. And um, this is when the church was, I would say, about 112 people. And we had one service at, at uh, 10 a.m. And actually, it wasn't three, it wasn't three rows, it was two sections, one and two. <laughs> and uh, what was crazy about that is, is that um, that one Sunday was a higher offering than any month put together. And so when I counted it, I'm like, man, the capacity is there, but what's missing? And so that next year, the series was going to be entitled Maximum Capacity, how our trust leads to transformation. Our trust in God transforms us first. And then as we continue to trust him and teach about giving consistently and frequently in this message, we we start to see God move in our lives on the outside. But he needs to change this first. And so in 2018, during the Maximum Capacity Offering Sunday, uh, it was still just one Sunday, but the church went from about 112 people to about 230. Uh, We saw the church bring in one service, $27,292.62. And um, I didn't see the graph. Oh, there it is. That's nice. That's awesome. Cool. I, I didn't see it. I, I normally see it, but it's cool. This year we're praying. We're praying, and I started praying in January that we as a church would bring over $50,000 so we can continue. Yeah. We can celebrate that so we can continue to move forward. And some people may be like, why are they clapping about giving their money? <laughs> well, those are people whose lives have been changed, and um, they understand that when they pass away, heaven is home, and they understand that... Um, when they give to the church, they're giving into what Jesus calls eternal dwellings. He says, don't, um, he says, don't store your treasures here on earth where dust and moth corrupt. He says, at the end of the day, you're going to leave it all behind. Yeah. 
but when you give to the church, you're giving to God and you're investing into eternity. So this season is called A Greater House, and if you're taking notes, um, this may seem uh, elementary to you, but greater in the scripture, both Hebrew and Greek, Old Testament and New Testament, the term greater means larger or more, a greater house. And the term house means dwelling place. doesn't take a degree to understand that. So a, a larger dwelling place. And what we see very explicit in the scriptures that there are three types of dwelling places or houses in the Bible. Number one, your body, your body. The Bible calls your body a temple. Um, you, you, your body houses your soul. Your body houses the Holy Spirit when you come to God. Um, your heart becomes God's home when you come to Jesus. And Paul says, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? He says that in the book of Corinthians. Then he says this in Corinthians. He says, don't you all know as a church, as called out ones, not a building, not a place, but as a people, don't you all know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? And so the church is the temple of the Spirit of God. So that's one dwelling place. The second is your home, where you currently live, be it an apartment, a condo, a townhome, a hotel. Maybe you're out in the streets right now. If you are. You need to talk to us. We can help as a church. We love to help. We do it all the time. It's a part of where your offering goes as a church is to help your own local body. Um, the Bible actually instructs the church to take care of the church first, then take care of those who don't know Christ. So if there's a need in this church, you need to speak up so we can help. You can actually email us at the team at highlight.church. We'd love to help you and point you in the right direction. But your home your home, your kids, your, your legacy. And then the third house is the house of God. And so I don't know about you, but um, I, I, want, I want to grow. I want my home to grow. I think the greatest thing I can live, leave to my kids is a legacy of faith, a legacy of generosity. I'm teaching my boys right now, every dollar that you make, at least 10 cent goes to God. Every dollar, at least 10 cent goes to God. And, and you'll, this all makes sense over the next three weeks. Um, and then I, I want to see the church grow. I want to see the kingdom of God grow in this city and grow in this area. We have a mandate and a vision to start 20 locations in 20 years. And so uh, we're already three years old. We're 19 locations behind, and we're three years down. So I don't know how or when God is going to compound this thing, but he needs to hurry up. So, um, but um, I always tell people, and I'm going to say this on Offering Sunday, that I'll cast the vision, but you determine the value and the velocity and how fast we get there. And so um, I love this here. The Bible gives us a, uh, a verse here in Proverbs 11, verse 24, the message. Here it is. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. Gets so the world of those who give above and beyond, that's what the word generous means, their influence grows. Their, their, their joy grows. God trusts them with more. God puts them in places of leadership more. God brings people into their lives who can project their future faster. 
project them into their future faster. The Bible says it. It's not me. This is what the Bible says. This comes from Solomon, the wisest man to ever live. He saw it throughout his life. He's pretty much saying, you want to grow? You want to be big time? Don't be stingy. Don't doubt God when he calls you to give above and beyond. Don't, 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 oh, God, you calling me to buy coffee for this person? Yes, because you don't know the kind of encouragement that they need right now. Buy coffee for the person. I need you to step it up in your tithe and your offering. I need you to serve four Sundays a month for the next three months, not just two. I need you to give more. Well, I want to be blessed, and I want to be a leader, and I want to be promoted. The, the, The world of the generous gets larger. I told you. I told you. This is going to be a tough one. But, but Bruce, I, I, will not, I, I will not, during this series this year, placate to, to passivity, to your feelings, to your emotions. I love you too much for that. I won't put a pacifier in your mouth. I won't put a bottle in your mouth. We're going to grow during this series. We're going to do more. We're going to give more. We're going to be more. We're going to get bigger. Because you want too much for me to, hey, you've been following Jesus for a month. You got it. No, you need to start crawling. All right. I just think there's one antidote to complaining. Get better. Do more. Grow. Have the tough talks. Give what God is calling you to give. I just don't want to be here in my life. Get on with it. Right? Like, we just, made, we just went to San Diego. Right? It was our, um, our six-year anniversary. Right? We were on a, a leadership cohort for, for pastors. We were undergoing some training. But um, it, just to be transparent, not too much, but as far as us, our marriage, you know, social media, it, we were having some issues. Right? What did we need to We needed to stop and talk. On our anniversary day, y'all, we didn't even spend the day together. She was out there somewhere on a, on a pier, cliff somewhere. <laughs> I can't wait to February to talk about this. Had turned her location off, y'all. <laughs> it's okay. No, I'm going to help us grow right now. I'm going to help because we, we, don't, we don't do all the script stuff. I, I don't know what I'm going to get to. It's a lot of notes, so we'll figure it out. I'm, I'm in the hotel all day. And I'm going to tell this is funny as heck. I, I turned my location off. <laughs> but I'm in the hotel. I ain't, I ain't go nowhere, you know. And so I'm going to tell you how, how crazy we can get, right? Because she's telling me, you know, I'm here and I'm doing fine, right? Her location's off, but she's posting little things on Insta story. Okay, she all right. All right, cool. She good. I ain't worried about no nonsense. I just want to know if she's safe. Like, we're in a city. I've never been to San Diego. Peek me. I'm in the hotel room. I Google image because we're in San Diego. Last time we were in California, was, I think it was back in May, we were in L.A., um, uh, and so, uh, yeah, I Google image, um, images in Los Angeles to make her think. <laughs> Look, I done, I, I, uh, what's the thing called? I took a picture of it, I cropped it out, and I put the location marker, L.A. I said, oh, you want to you wanna get, okay. And I was about to post it, the Holy Spirit said, don't do that. I said, all right. <laughs> 
Some, sometimes you just got to write the email and don't send it. Sometimes you just got to write the text and not send it. And um, I've learned that. I've had a lot to say to a lot of people this year, and I'm like, nah, nah, I might lose my credibility. I'll let them get out of character, not me. Come on, we can clap that up. Let them. You don't get out of character. Let them get out of character. You got places that God has taken you. But um, what was I saying? This is what I was saying. We sat down and we had the talk. This is what's going on. This is what we need to get better, blah, blah, blah. And we had two more days left in San Diego, and it was amazing. So what I'm saying is, is, is this. If you want your world to get larger, the Bible says you got to learn to go above and beyond. Not just in your money, but in every area of your life. This is a pervasive principle. Okay? So this series, we're going to learn to build on the foundation of great generosity. I was doing some research, and it says that money is the biggest source of stress for Americans. Research shows um, a survey by Northwestern Mutual found that money was the dominant source of stress for 44% of Americans. 25% said personal relationships. 18% blamed work. And uh, the American Psychological Association also shows that money is the number one stressor for Americans. Regardless of the economic climate, in which the economy is actually doing pretty good right now, uh, money and finances have remained the top stressor for Americans since 2007. Uh, essentially, um, stress about money can lead to increased chances of diabetes. We all know high blood pressure, heart disease. And essentially, a lot of people um, have poor health or they have an unhealthy heart due to a lack of wealth or the perception that they don't have enough. And uh, I just want to encourage you with this, that wealth doesn't begin in the pocket nor is it sustained in the pocket. I was just watching a show not too long ago, uh, Alex Rodriguez, I think it's called Get Back in the Game. Um, if, if you should check it out. There's this guy, and I think, what, what was it? He used to be a host for American Idol, and this guy was making $72,000 a month. And now he, and not hitting on, but this is just where he is. So if, if you are Uber driver, that's cool. But now he drives Uber. And... Um, He's struggling to make ends meet. They say that 75% of people that win the lotto will be dead broke within five years. Because it's, it's, and a lot of us say, well, I don't have enough. I need more. It's not, a, it's not that you need more. You, you need a change of heart. You need discipline. We, and I'm not talking to you today really as a pastor, but even as a brother, we need discipline. You know, eating out can, can go far, you know. And so... A wealthy heart is the antidote to an unhealthy heart. That's my first kind of soft point. A wealthy heart is the antidote to an unhealthy heart. A wealthy heart is, is it, it's a heart that is rich in compassion. It is a heart that is rich in service. It's a heart that is rich in faith. Rich in trust. Trusting God. It is a heart that is rich in generosity. Jesus 
wasn't a wealthy, wealthy man, though he owned the world. <laughs> but um, he, he was rich in generosity, and that's what made him wealthy. That's why he could do ministry without worrying about what he needed. Because his, his mode of operation was to give, 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 give. And as he gave, God gave. As he gave, God gave. You can't receive anything from God with a closed hand. That's why the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. Right? But, but when you give, he gives. When you give, he, a, a wealthy heart is rich in generosity. It's rich in giving its time, its talents, and its treasure. And uh, so I want to go to 1 Kings 17. I'm going to try to bust through this here in about 12 minutes. We ready? 1 Kings 17, verse 8 says this. uh, Then the Lord said to Elijah, go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. So he went to Zarephath. Zarephath is outside of Israel. Context, Israel has turned from God. Elijah is a messenger of God. God's hand is on Elijah, and he also represents the presence of God in this time. All of the nation has turned from God, so God says, I'm going to send you to someone who doesn't even believe in me to impart principles that I bless, okay? So he sends him to a widow in Zarephath, and he arrived at the gates of the village and saw a widow gathering sticks, and he asked her, would you please bring me a little, a little water and a cup? As she was going to get it, he called to her, Bring me a bite of bread, too. So bring me water and bring me bread. And she says this, I swear by the Lord, your God, I don't go to church, you do, okay, that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house, in the house. I don't, I don't, listen, man, I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. What's the title of this sermon series, this, this, a greater house? So, so context, too, if we back up, God said, I've instructed a widow to feed you. And obviously she didn't get the memo from heaven because Elijah is there because God told him, I've instructed her to feed you. But when he said, bring me water and bread, she says, look, man, I only have one piece of bread in my house. Obviously she didn't get the memo. I think this is what I think. And I can't, I can't fully pull this out of scripture, but I think that God had given her or allowed her to be in this circumstance. He didn't necessarily tell her to give someone something, but he was providing an opportunity in her lack for her to help someone else. So, and and if you look at the Hebrew word instruction, it means that he disciplined her. It means that he allowed her to fall into a circumstance where she had a great reason, not even an excuse, but a great reason not to help someone else. But... When, 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 you, when, you can, when you can say, man, this is an excuse, but this is an opportunity, you, you turn it from, from, from what, what would be lack to, to potentially God's instruction. Maybe it's God's discipline to grow me. Maybe it's an open door for a miracle. It's all in how you see it. So God said, I've instructed her. But she may, maybe she didn't get the memo. But here it is. It says this here. I swear by I only have one piece of bread. And I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this meal. Man, leave me alone. Then my son and I will die. Elijah said, don't be afraid. It's okay, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do what you've said. I love this. But make me a little bread, but make a little bread for me first. 
Man, did you not just hear me? All I have is enough for what you're asking for. That's it. All I got is 20, Lord. All I got is a little little 500 in my account. And it's going to be eaten up by Wednesday. That's all I got. Did, Did you not hear me? I heard you. Don't be afraid. First, make Make, 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 make me, make me first. He says this here. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for your son. And I want to talk about developing a wealthy heart. A wealthy heart. A heart that's rich in compassion and, and peace and joy and generosity. The first thing we have to consider is we've got to begin to put God first in your finances. Elijah said, don't be afraid. Make me a little bread first. This is funny because her her food was also her her finances. In an agricultural society, flour and oil was her food, her sustenance, but it was also her, her finances. And so what Elijah is imparting, if you're taking notes, is the principle of tithing. The principle of tithing. And tithe means first tenth. And the Bible teaches that the tithe belongs to God. If anyone has ever told you in your life that you can't afford to tithe, that is not biblical. It's not biblical. And it's cutting off an avenue that God wants to actually use and he needs to use to transform your heart and to bless your life. This is a biblical principle. The tithe belongs to God. So in our modern day, that means your paycheck. 10% of your paycheck is God. The Bible says it's holy unto the Lord. It's set apart unto God. And I don't know about you, but I, I really don't want to touch or, or own anything that belongs to God. And what I've come to find out is that God can do more in my life with my 90% than I can with my 100 So I want to obey God here. This is a principle. You can give at 2%, 3%, It's not a heaven or hell thing, but this is a great starting point for your heart to begin to become wealthy and healthy. And so this is a principle. It's been practiced since Abel, Abraham, Moses tithe, David tithe, Solomon tithe. Jesus himself was a tither. Wow. Um, the women and the men who followed Jesus, the Bible says in Luke chapter 8, I think, verses 1 through 4, that there were influential women who followed Jesus. They were women in government. They owned businesses. They, and they gave faithfully into his ministry. So it's not an unbiblical thing to give the tithe. I love Deuteronomy 14, 23, the living Bible. It says the purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your lives. I love it when Jesus was upon the earth. He said in Matthew 6, he said this. He said, man cannot serve money and God. Watch this. Watch how powerful this is. Out of all the things in Scripture, out of all the things that we struggle with, Jesus only compared God with one thing, and it was finances because of the place it holds in our hearts. Jesus taught more about finances than he did love, heaven, hell, and faith put together. If you look at his teachings, as a matter of fact, there's nothing else taught more in the Bible than finances but God. Finances is mentioned some 800 times in the scripture. Faith is a close second at 200. And then love is also around 200. God 
is up there around 8,000. But then it's money. And so the reason a lot of us are so sick and, and stressed out is because that's what we think about all the time. And so in order to begin to have a wealthy heart, a healthy heart, Elijah says, I know that's all you have, but give it to me first. But it's hard. Give it to me first. Because I'm trying to heal something in your life. The second point to develop a healthy heart is that we got to understand that development happens in discomfort. He's saying, hey, make me the last meal. Uh, The widow said, I'm going to make a last meal and die. Elijah said, make me bread first. Make me bread first. I remember going to church with my mother. And like I said, maybe you're new to church. But when I was a kid um, raised in the Baptist church, uh, missionary Baptist church, couldn't couldn't chew gum too loud. So we brought peppermints. And uh, the preacher preaching and. You know, the Baptist church, they're always going to put Jesus on the cross at the end of the sermon and take him down. And we're going home and God bless the Lord. I don't care what you you can be talking about fixing an engine. He can be preaching about anything, but we're always going to put him on the cross, take him down. And we're going home and we're blessed. When it was time for the offering, um, I would see my mom go in her purse. Here, put this in the plate. She hand me a dollar. I knew living in our home that that's all we had left. And and what it grew in me was this mentality to tip God. To to tip God occasionally. What what, what I came to understand was this is the last, right? And, And it was out of order. See, a lot of times when we're looking for blessing in our lives and we're not seeing it, or we're looking for a harvest in a certain season, like, man, this should have been here by the fall. This should have happened. This door should have opened. A lot of times there was something in our past season that was out of order. It's, it's out of order. And, and so Elijah's saying, like, I know you're, you may be used to giving people your last because you're a widow. And back then, widows completely and totally depended on other people. Yeah. Widows couldn't work. Widows were kind of shoved to the side in society. So the word widow in the Hebrew actually means beggarly. So her life was was brought down to leaving the house every day from eight to five. This was her job to go out and beg. So she was completely dependent on other people. So Elijah knew that what you got, you depended on other people. You got it from them. But I still need you to give it to me first because I'm trying to impart a principle that God blesses. Give it to me first. Give it. Don't tip God. Give it to me first. Give it to me first. Give, well, I can't afford to tithe. Tithing is not a matter of affording it, affordability. Tithing is a matter of priority. It, it truly is a matter of priority. Because you get that check, that 500 comes in, I got bills. Or that 1,000, that 2,000 come in, I got bills. Before you know it, there's nothing left. At the top, the 200 goes to the Lord. It's uncomfortable. But who you want to be and where you want to be will happen through discomfort. That's in every area of life. Who you want to be and where you want to be will always happen through the avenue of discomfort. I love this, um, this tithing testimony. This is from a young lady who attends our church and uh, she'll remain anonymous. She texts a group of ladies. She said, good morning, ladies. I wanted to share something that is slightly personal, so I won't share her name. 
but um, has really been on my heart. Last Sunday, pastor said something that really spoke to me. He said, growth happens in conviction, not comfort. Last year, I decided to step out in faith and begin tithing. It was a very hard and strange step because of the stigma surrounding it, what pastors do with money and how the church takes your money. I get all that. We're going to unpeel that a lot, this series. But I decided to give it to God because truly I am so blessed to live the life that I live, and he has rewarded me. This is the first year I've actually been able to grow my savings. Order. So in the past, she wasn't able to grow her savings. She started tithing. Her savings start. And I realized it would not have been possible had I not taken that step. I want to encourage you all to take that next step, whether it be getting up early to read your Bible, start tithing, start praying. Whatever conviction it is that you're having that it will bring you closer to God, do it. You too will be rewarded. Love you, ladies. When giving would normally be your last priority, begin to make it your top priority. And that's how you're going to develop a wealthy heart. The third thing here is if you're going to develop a wealthy heart, you've got to learn to give frequently and consistently. I'm going to go over time a little bit. 1 Corinthians 16, 2a says this. Paul was talking to the church in Corinth, and he said, on the first day of each week, you should put aside a portion of the money you have earned. He's saying on the first day of each week, put aside a portion. He said, church in Corinth, you guys have a lot of resources. We've got a lot of work to do. A lot of lives need to be changed. A lot of people need help. The first, he said this as their pastor, as the apostle. He said, I need you to put that money to the side because when we come and pick it up, we've got to take it over to Jerusalem to help the poor Christians over there. Give frequently and consistently. What I love about this season, and, and, and because during our offering weekend, you're going to receive a card, and you're going to put your amount, but we always say, whenever you're going to sow a seed like you're going to sow, attach a word of faith to it. Yeah. Our word was growth and development, two words, growth and development. What I love about it is we also encourage and we give the option, don't just give the offering that particular Sunday, but form a new habit in the new year. Of giving consistently. Start tithing consistently. It's so exciting to see how some people, you know, you, you'll see people come to church. They start out in the summer and, and it is what it is. God's not judging them. But they haven't started giving yet. And it may be on that offering Sunday they start giving. And then they also check that box. I'm going to start tithing. And, and you see them. You see them start tithing. And then you enter into the spring and they say, hey, pastor, I'm applying for this job. I hope this door opens, blah, blah, blah. And then we pray for that door to open, and then by the summer, that door opened. Oh, Pastor, I'm praying for healing. And and we start praying, and a few months later, that healing happened. Then sometimes the reverse effect takes place. You start giving, the car breaks down, the hot water heater, people start talking about you, you get fired. So I'm not sitting here giving you a prosperity gospel. I'm just saying that all I know is Elijah showed up, and he said, bake me a cake first. And so it's an exciting season because of steps of faith, and you, you get to see people commit to a new level of consistency. 
And then God moves in that next year. I love verse 14. 1 Kings 17, 14 says this. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. So she said to Elijah, so she did as Elijah said, and she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. There was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised. Bake me a cake first. Because uh, I'm not going to show you the result of it until you actually do it. And I mean, her and Elijah are just grubbing. Her son's just grubbing. So, so, so why? why? Why do you need to develop a healthy heart? Well, number one, it's because generosity unlocks the supernatural. It unlocks the supernatural. When PK and I got engaged, we, we made it a point. We, we said this is going to be a value in our home. We got to find a local church. And we got to give. Because that's what Jesus is building. We got to give. So consistently for seven years since we've been engaged, we, we've given. Friday morning, we turn around, we, we pop it back into the, we give the offering into the church. And uh, we had to slow it down because we, we made a, 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 a thing. We said we would, we would increase our offering uh, every year that we're married. I've slowed that down. I've said every other year. <laughs> um, but every other year, and we've given consistently. It's the top of our budget. The first thing that comes out, and it unlocks the supernatural. Our goal is to eventually live on 10% and give 90%. Not to the church only, but to charity and, and to all these different things. To people, you, you want to be able to have more than enough so that when there's a need, when, when there's a family member, when there's a friend, when there's a stranger in need, you can just say, oh, man, here you go. And, and not even worry about it. But it starts from that place of generosity. I remember in the spring, we, we, we had to move. God can strike me now. I'm not lying about this. No human, not one human being knew that we needed a little bit over $2,000 to move. We had to move. We had to get out of our old place. We couldn't really afford it anymore. There were some things going on with it. We had to move this spring. So we had a play date set up with one of your superheroes. I won't, I won't name this individual. They will re remain anonymous as well. A play date. They brought over their child to play with our boys. And um, they were driving. And when they got there, at the end of our talk, they started crying. Because we prayed, they started crying. They said, pastors, I was on the way over, and the Holy Spirit told me in my heart. I mean, bawling. They, they, they're crying told me in my heart that I need to give you $2,000. And they cried some more. And the reason they cried more was because they said, I'm so sorry. I stopped by the bank, and I was only able to pull out $1,000. So I'm like, give me that $1,000. What, what envelope? So they pulled it out, and they gave it to us. They said, well, I'll be back tomorrow after work to give you the rest. We didn't tell our mom. We didn't tell dad. We didn't tell one... We just, we knew we needed to move and that God was always faithful. But, but when you give, much like this woman found out, she was, Elijah was trying to get her to unlock the supernatural. And so a lot of us, oh yeah, we can clap that up. 
A lot of us, oh, man, when is God going to show up? What is he going to do? What is he going to do? When have you gone above and beyond? For some of you, you've been at 10% all your life. Some of you, you've been at two or three. Some of you don't even give. But you're praying big time prayers. Maybe this is that last thing you need to do. And I thank God. Well, this is is kind of a joke. I thank God it's an even year for us. I mean, we may increase it by a point percent, but... Next year is our turn. we got to increase it next year. But maybe it's your time to, to increase. It, it, this wasn't a little crumb she was giving Elijah. She was giving her all. So you unlock the supernatural. Generosity unlocks the supernatural in your life. And you got to understand that God will allow you to fall into tough spots, and then he'll say, give it all. Because he's about to do a miracle yeah. in your life. And so number two, generosity changes lives. We're okay. I'll get us out of here in about four minutes. Mercy, I'll call you up in a second. Malachi 3.10 says this. It says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open up the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it and put me to the test. This is another thing about finances. This is the only place in the Bible where you see God saying, test me. Not with your relationships, because he always said, I can get you a new one. Not with your house, not with your car, get you a new one. Not with your food, get you more food. Not with water, get you clean water, your money. So bring it all, because in the Old Testament was the temple, so that there would be food in my house. There needed to be food because there, was, there were leaders who all they did was serve God 24-7 for the people. And so you needed food so that the leaders could eat and do the ministry. Paul even says that those who teach and preach ought to be paid well. Those who work the ministry ought to be paid well. You, and this is no plug for pastors, not even a plug for me. This is Bible. You don't want a poor pastor. You don't want poor ministry leaders because the ministry won't move forward. You won't get prayed for. You won't get blessed. You won't have anyone to cover you. You don't want it. The devil wants it. You can read the book of Nehemiah. And uh, the Bible says that the walls were torn down. And that they went to look for Levites, ministry leaders, to go and build the walls of Jerusalem because that's where worship would happen. That's where the the presence of God would come. Miracles would happen. Everyone was blessed when the presence of God was in the room. So Nehemiah went back, and there were no Levites around because the Levites were too busy working in 8 to 5 to feed their families. And they didn't have the strength or energy to come and do the ministry. So Satan loves it when people don't tithe because the church is not built. Had this woman not fed Elijah, Elijah would have died, and Israel, potentially Jesus, wouldn't have came. Because the mantle at that time, the call was on Elijah. So she needed to feed him so that the blessing would continue to move through Elijah. It is so practical and it's so tangible. And so he says that there would be food in my house. Last year, HL gave over $26,000 in outreach Last Christmas, we adopted 19 families and 85 kids for Christmas. This year, we've already given as a church over $50,000 to highlight the city. We can celebrate that. 
And right now we're slated to adopt 35 families and over 100 kids through Hope for the Holidays, Adopt-A-Family, and Partnership with Family Services. That was the thing I prayed last January. God, we want to adopt more than 100 kids. Lord, we want to give more than $50,000 in outreach, and we've done it in the years and even over. But that's physical food when we're able to help people. When, when we get messages in our congregation, um, we're about to be evicted, or we're hungry, or my kids don't have anything to eat, great. We, look, and that's another thing. When, when we take the offering in a few weeks, you're not giving to need. You're not giving to need. We, we cannot show up for another six months. Our church would be fine. And it's because of the way that we, we, we've processed the finances. There is margin in the bank. When you're giving in a few Sundays the offering, you're pushing the church forward into the next year. There's vision for next year. If we're going to adopt 100 kids this year, we want to do 200 next year. There's always more. And so you're not giving to need. I'm, I'm not sitting here asking you, oh, we need a new microphone, and this, this, this uh, tape here is old. We need new tape. Uh-uh, we got tape. There are lives that we need to change. There are people that are dying. The gospel needs to get out. We're pushing the vision forward. We're pushing Jesus forward. There are more seats that we need. 930 is getting crazy. So, uh, yeah, so, and then spiritual sustenance. Food in my house, healed marriages, new marriages salvations, baptisms, light groups, people finding purpose, counseling. They're just, there's spiritual food in the house when you bring the offering. And last point here. Come on, close me out, Mercy. Generosity creates a wealthy heart in us. I think this woman's greatest blessing, this widow, was yes, God fed her. But more than that, she became a generous person who lived in the peace of knowing what it was to trust God. This was a letter we received, I would say about a year ago, but I'm going to share it this time around. This person put, Highlight Church, I want to thank you for providing me hope to believe in tithing to the church again. I left my last two churches on the basis of them trying to build for which they could not afford. (laughs) My money was being placed into a building disguised as outreach. We'll never do that. (laughs) Ten cent of every dollar goes to help someone either outside or in this local congregation. We'll never do that. But it was obviously for profit. This person said, I lost trust I no longer wanted to give to churches because I couldn't be told where my money was going. This has happened to me twice, which is unfortunate, both for me and future churches that I attend. So I understand there's weight behind this. It's more than just your personal life. It's also, can I trust the church? And what I say here is, is this, if you can't trust this church, find a church that you can trust and give there because I want you to be blessed. Pastor Josh, you have brought faith back to a heart that was bitter and distrusting of church. Your messages have been powerful, exciting, authentic. Thank you for who you are and the changes you make. Both you and Kyra are people that bring faith back into church. You have an amazing team, genuine, good-hearted people, and that is awesome for the structure and the vision of your church. 
Though I may move away from Maryland in the future, I still plan to give to Highlight Church. This is it. Thank you all. A bitter heart transformed to a giving one. Let's praise God for that. So even, you don't have to wait to offering Sunday. You can start today if you've never given. Offering Sunday is December 15th. Let's prepare our hearts. What are you going to bring? What are you trusting God for? But beyond that, maybe before we even get there, maybe you need to trust Jesus with your life. He loves you. And maybe today you're coming to him. So let's bow your head. I'm going to give you an opportunity to come to Christ. Father, we love you and we thank you for your goodness and your forgiveness and your love. God, I thank you that you've died for each of us. Your blood was shed for the remission of sins. If there is anyone in here who needs you in their lives, who needs to make you Lord and Savior, God, I pray that you would give them the grace to believe and to pray this prayer. We're going to pray this together. Church, pray with me nice and loud. Say, Father God, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Forgive me. Give me your spirit. I am yours. Give me a hope in a future. Thank you for a changed life. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church, let's put your hands together nice and loud. Love you guys.